Well, welcome back to Heartstrings with Wes and Nisha Stringfellow. Welcome. Hey, Wes. Hey, baby. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Our first episode uh, went over very well, so we want to just say thank you to everybody that watched and viewed and listened, right? Yeah. Um, that was really um, a gift. Um, surprisingly, as we were very transparent, even our grown children kind of sent us some messages that were hilarious. <laughs> so um, thank you to everyone. I just want to say that. But today, I just want to say that um, it's almost the end of February, and we really wanted to talk about Black History Month. You know, uh, more importantly, I think we just wanted to talk about our history. Oh, our history, our black history. Right? Our history, our experiences. Um, Are you mixed? I'm not mixed. I think we all got a little mixture in there somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, actually, um, both of my family trees on both sides of the family, they start with my maybe great, 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 maybe, Mm-hmm. Grandmother. Okay. And that's it. They like they never mention who the father is, so you assume that it was whatever quarters they were living in. Well, you do really um, don't have to assume because we got a great Black History lesson of your uh, ancestry from one of your aunts, Aunt right. Shirley. Yeah, but even on both sides. Oh, really? My mom's and my dad's side. It's, oh, wow. They both start out the same way with the matriarch. Oh, wow. And then it just you know branches out from there. So I would assume that <laughs> master. Oh, no. <laughs> well, anyway, you know. so we're going to talk about our black history today and some of our life experiences because um, we talk about life. We talk about love. We talk about family. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's got to be. You, okay. <laughs> uh, okay. There's always a song. Okay. I can't help it. Okay. Go I, ahead. It's okay. So, um, so let me first. Have you ever had an experience or a negative experience? I've had that? lots of negative experiences um, that were a little bit life-altering for me in terms of my mindset. Um, I don't think it um, injured me to the point that I am prejudiced by any means, but I will say that um, I was born in 1969. Um, if I had to give a little history, my mom, uh, before she came into the love and knowledge of Jesus Christ, was a Black Panther. So um, most people are shocked, like I was shocked when I realized that. Okay, so that just happened, and um, that's something. <laughs> we could probably edit that out. We can edit it out, but we may not have to, and <laughs> we can talk about that later. <laughs> My phone is charging. Okay, right, but, anyway. So um, so I guess we. I was born in 68. You were born sixty nine, so we kind of grew up in the seventies, but not really because you know we're only teeny boppers then. So right. There's no real experience. Uh, I think most of our experience was growing up in the eighties. Okay. Uh, but you think by that time everything would be like kumbaya, all the prejudice and the hatred is gone out of the world, but yeah, not I, so much, huh? You know what? I kind of grew up. Um, with a multicultural environment. So even though I was on the south side of Chicago, um, my family was very well-rounded in terms of my grandfather being a pastor and inviting other cultures in. So, um, yeah, I'll get into that. But I just want to say that, um, what are we? Uh, not baby boomers. We're Gen X. We're Gen X, okay. We're, we're the tail end of the Gen X, right before okay. the baby boomers. Okay, okay. Um, but So we got the best of both. Okay, We got all, right. all the... The tech 
skills of the millennials and all the wisdom of the baby boomers, mm -hmm. hard work and dedication. Yeah, and Not thank you to the baby boomers, right, um, for they, that era. They, because that they, was Martin Luther King Jr.'s era, right? Well, I don't know if he was a baby boomer, but he was a grown man. If then. my mom is a baby boomer, he would have to be a baby boomer, right? I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can't he, remember he when the baby boomers started. Yeah. Your mom's a baby boomer. I think so, yeah. I don't know. All right. All right. Well, anyway, so your earliest memory of what you had to experience in regards to... Um, hmm. So, for me, um, I grew up on the low end, 29th and Prairie, in a community called South Commons, which to me was by far one of the best communities to grow up in. Um, they, we still, they still communicate to this day. Um, it was a very tight-knit community. Um, needless to say, it was in the area, it was still kind of diverse. Um, it was, was some it? Yeah. It was, I didn't realize it was that. Still white people over there. Um, and other ethnicities, they still lived there, even though we were sandwiched in between two projects. Okay. The, um, the PCs, which we call the Prairie Courts, or the Prairie Courts, um, and all the Ida B. Wells, Dearborn Homes, and all that. So we were like right in between that. Um, I think it was more like an experiment that if we can take low income and then put some middle class income right in the middle of it, everybody will level up. Mm. Um, I don't know how well that worked. Uh, but now it's a very <laughs> influential right. area. Right. They moved you know. all of us. Well, they moved the majority of us out. Kind of sort well, of, right? you know, I don't know if I would call it moving us out as much as it's gentrified. Okay. So if you had money, you could stay. If you didn't, see you later. Yeah. Um, that doesn't necessarily, and, and I, I don't like when people necessarily even say they moved <laughs> us out. I'm like, well, what you're saying is that all African-Americans are black people or we don't have any money, so we can't afford to stay here. But that's not true of all. The ones that can afford to stay, stay. The ones that leave, leave. Um, and I don't. I absolutely understand how sometimes with with taxes, you just get pushed out, and this is where you've grown up all your life, and now you can't afford to live here. Now you got to figure out something else. I mean, I, I get all that of gentrification, um, and I understand it absolutely. Um, but anyway, so that's where I grew up. Um, you know, I, so. Me and another friend who I grew up with in that same neighborhood, we, we went away to a camp. Okay. And it was actually a Jewish organization. Oh, wow. Um, but they would come on the south side of Chicago with some school buses and pick all of us up, all of our, my cousins. <laughs> <laughs> they would pick all of us up, and we would go away to camp. And at camp, for the most part, uh, we weren't the majority, uh, but for the most part, Everybody got along really, really well. Um, the counselors, the uh, other campers, um, we got along very well. It was a majority white it counselors was. and stuff. And it was it was a good experience. And my first, I guess you could say my first experience was, you know, everything is good. I had one incident um, at camp with uh, two white guys. Um, they called me the N-word and were kind of threatening. Um, but... I don't know if it damaged me or phased me. It was well, like, how old were you? Man, I had to be 10 or 11, something like did that. Did you know about um, prejudice Absolutely. then? Oh, you did? Okay. I, I mean, it, was, I mean I was, it wasn't a hidden thing. I knew what, exactly what type of people they were. Um, but to me, that they were an isolated group of people um, who saw me walking by myself. They were bigger than me, and they thought they could threaten me and punk me, but... 
I didn't really pay him that much attention. Um, of course, you know, there were some others who decided that <laughs> that they would find out if they could take me and they found out wrong. They failed? Oh, man. You were a fighter? Absolutely. You had to be. How could you not be? Okay. Did you get in trouble? Is the no, home? it was just a fight. It ended, and that was the end of that. There was no other Okay, that was it. No. Okay, all right. We didn't go get the gangs and all that. <laughs> I do have those stories. <laughs> um, I think I was okay, and then I went to high school, and I went to De La Salle High School, which, which is on 35th Bushy. off of Michigan. Bougie. Well, whatever. I went to De La Salle High School. Let me tell you something, why it's bougie. I'm just mentioning this because when I met Wes... <laughs> We had to shop at Aldi's. Now, we did shop at Jewel every now and then, but we shopped at Aldi's, you know what I mean? And we shopped at the Serta Savers. Right. West, West shopped at Dominic's. And that was high end. It's not the only place we shopped. Well, I mean, that's the only place I already knew that you shopped we went, and your we mom went to shopped. Jewel sometimes. <laughs> yeah. uh, anyway, <clears throat> bougie well, did. I mean, it was only two of us. Private school, though. You went to so private we school. went to Sale. My mom was a teacher. By herself on the teachers, so it wasn't Jones like commercial. it wasn't like we were uh, rolling, and you know. Okay. Uh, but anyway, um, so a lot of the students came from Bridgeport and Canaryville, which is in Chicago, and it's hmm. for the people that don't live in Chicago. Chicago is a very segregated city. You feel that way? It is. It's. You're black, you live over here. You're Hispanic, you live over here. High Park is white, still very... Um, High Park was one of the exceptions. It's to very the diverse rule. still. And to this day, it's still very diverse. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, there was a rule when I was little growing up, you did not cross the expressway. Because when you crossed the Dan Ryan Expressway, you were in Bridgeport, Canaryville. You did not cross those tracks. Mm-hmm. I mean, they weren't actual tracks, but actually they were tracks. It was a viaduct with a railroad over it. You wow. did not walk under that viaduct. That was an absolute no-no. And if you did, and if you got caught, you were reminded why you did not go over there. Wow. Um, and this is, you're talking about in the 80s and the 90s, um, late 90s. So anyway, a lot of those students. No, it can be the late 90s. Cause it was we, part of the late 90s. We graduated in um, Well, I mean, it's still 86. there, 86. It's still there. And it's still, mm. So I wouldn't think that there would still you can, be. You can live over there. You can go over there safely now. Um, those days have changed. Um, I do know a couple of people who went over there, uh, but it's the, the, it, there's some mentality that's still there. It's a stigma still there. Um, they're very protective of their neighborhood, um, and they're very uh, they're a very tight knit group of people. Because um, okay. I even work with them, with some of these people who I went to school with, and because I went to school with them. I was almost accepted into their tight-knit community. Mm-hmm. Um, so things that I needed at work, you know, it was just a phone call away, and I was like, hey, we got you, Wes. Um, but anyway, when I went to school, Mayor Hare Washington was running for mayor. Mm. And you would not believe all the open jokes and racial comments and things that were said openly. I mean, there was no shame. There wasn't, like, <laughs> behind doors they were making these cracks. They were like, you're sitting right there, and they're right there. Um, I don't know how many times I heard, if he makes, if he's elected mayor, I am moving out of the city. Wow. And these were kids. So you know they had to get it from their parents. Right. Um, and it was some more experiences that happened during that time, which really, I think, kind of tainted me. 
Um, it kind of opened my eyes up. It was like, wow, it's not all kumbaya like it was when I was at camp. There's some 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 Serious real prejudice. prejudiced people out mm-hmm. here in this city. Um, so kind of, you know, you always hear your uncle or your grandfather talk about an experience. Um, and even with that, um, and I'm going to mention this, but my grandfather, um, he drove, he worked for Chicago Transit Authority um, in Chicago, and he drove an electric bus back in the 60s. Mm. Um, which they had these pentagraphs and the buses, they followed the path. Most people don't remember that. If you're not, <laughs> if you're not the tail end, like, uh, well, I don't, I've never remember seeing them. I've only seen pictures. But if, um, if probably if you're not a baby boomer, you don't remember those buses. So anyway, I'm sure when he was driving those buses, um, he dealt with a whole lot of racism and just even growing up through that area. Um, and with that, I've never heard him say an ill thing about white people or other races. Um, he expressed some concerns and some experiences, mm-hmm. but he never taught hate. So we were never taught to hate or just like just because the color of your skin, mm. you know. So that was just never in me. But when I got to high school, I think my eyes were open, um, and my heart had just a little bit of heart piece in it um, because I, I'm like. I, I, I've never experienced this before, mm-hmm. you know, and this was in the late 80s. Wow. Um, so that would probably be my first experience. How about you, baby? Oh, well. Oh, no, wow. <laughs> I like listening to you share your history. Yeah. You know what I mean? I've heard it before, but it's like, it's I, I see things in pictures. So it's like as you're talking, I'm picturing the city of Chicago, dealers, all of that. Well, anyway, my story is quite different. Um, I think my first experience... Um, well, I went to evangelical Christian school all of my life on 91st and Vincennes. Well, first it was on 111th Estate in Roseland, and then it went to um, 91st and Vincennes. And so um, it was actually Boo- mixed back then. Bougie now? No, no. You know, my mother and father really scraped, 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 mm. scraped, scraped, scraped for private school. But they wanted us to have a Christian education. So needless to say... Um, my first experience where my mom said, I can't do this tuition anymore, she said, I'm going to send you to the high school down the street, which at that time was Hirsch High School on the south side of Chicago. Was? Yeah. <laughs> it's a sad, sad day. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> my why, first why, day I went to school, I went to all the wrong classes. I didn't belong in any of those classes. I went to the lunchroom. Now, these were my people. I went to the lunchroom, sat at the table. Some girls came from the previous year, I guess, and cussed me out so bad and said to get up from their table. This is their table. Scared the fool out of me. I jumped up from their table, apologized a million times. You think I apologized? I apologized. After my mom came and picked me up the second day, I think I did, I don't even know if I made it two days. I was walking outside with my mother, and this boy slapped me on my butt and said, she has a big A. Am I saying? No. You don't have to. Okay, thanks. And I, then <laughs> I won't make you cuss like your children. Okay. <laughs> don't throw them shade. Right. Anyway, so um, that traumatized me to no end. And I came home and I said, Mother, I cannot go back to a public school. I've never been to a public school. I don't know what you got to do, but I'm not going back there. And so she sent me to Oak Forest, Illinois. And it's so weird because. Oak Forest was so rural. Now we're living in Frankfurt, but Oak Forest was so rural. and Like another land. It's like another land. And um, so we school bused 
drove to the bus stop, school bus, out to Oak Forest Christian Academy. I'm very grateful for the education. Let me just say that. It was a very still sheltered environment. It still was Bible-based. I still have relationships with some of those people. So it was a good thing Mm -hmm. in some areas. But on the flip side of things, I experienced prejudice. And I experienced it my senior year more than anything. Um, and I don't, I can't, don't have enough time to tell all the stories. But let, let, let me ask this. So, and, and I've heard of these. What, what, what was their foundation religiously? What was it? Was it was a fundamental Baptist. So, fundamental Baptist back then. I don't. They might not. Even no interracial dating. No interracial dating. The fundamental Baptist um, schools I remember is um, Bob Jones University or uh, Tennessee Temple. These, these are Christian. And even. Um, well, I won't mention it anymore. The principle of it is, is that you were not allowed to interracially date, period. And I was into school from 80, what, 83 to 87. And no interracial mm-hmm. dating amongst the Christians, okay? The fundamental Baptists. And no shade to them, you know what I mean? I think we grow in time. And I do feel like there's some things like... So how, how many black people were there? Or in, how many non-white? From a percentage, I give it 20%. Out okay, of 100. So you weren't a spec. No, were, I wasn't a spec. You were more than no, it's about twenty percent because people didn't have another high school beside Trinity. That was a um, Christian school. That was Trinity High School um, or Chicago Christian, which was more tuition um, for us. So we had to go with what was available. Anyway, to make a long story short, um, a lot of the people that I thought were my friends, but it was the the staff that I paid attention to, and. Um, I was set apart, and uh, it was graduation day, and unfortunately, you know, we were just really financially not in a good space, and <laughs> you laughing already? Don't laugh already. And so it was graduation day, and my grandfather, God rest his soul, Jam- Jimmy Best, he drove a white Cadillac. You remember that white Cadillac? Seville. White Cadillac Seville, right. And he had it. It was clean. It was, like, kind of brand new. That blue crushed And my dad at that time was driving a... I learned to say a dry cleaning van, but really it was a milk truck to me because we sat on crates all the way to the um, milk, graduation. Milk truck meaning it looked like a, a it looked little, like a milk truck, like a mini UPS truck, right? You Not got, even a mini UPS truck. So you had an up truck. <laughs> that was your daily business. Anyway, we were on the expressway on I fifty seven. The truck broke down on my graduation day. My father had to pull over and fix it, and my grandfather in his white Seville. With Kyle and Jeffrey in the car, drove right on past us. <laughs> Didn't even think about me that it was my graduation. Right. So where whose graduation were they going to see? Me. They were it. going to me. Anyway, I got there and the principal said, "You're two steps from marching, young lady." And um, and even even to this day, some of my friends, both black and white, on our our little small school page on Facebook, you know, they were saying, "What is so and so looking?" I think I won't give names, but. Well, I just say it. Tim Hobbs, Imogene answered. Tim Hobbs was looking at Nisha because Mr. Hansen went off on her about the fact that you know she was two steps from graduating because I was late, not even understanding my situation, not even knowing. Just because I was late for the the high school picture, I didn't even get in the high school picture. That's one of them. Shauna was fair skinned, light skinned, whatever, and all the white people loved her. Okay, so I only not had I didn't have any black friends. But the white friends that I had made fun of me, um, some of them. And um, we, we we were poor. I mean, it was just, I remember what, <laughs> this is all I nothing to do with black history, but I remember yes, scrounging for my quarter 
looking for a quarter so I could buy me some tater tots. That's all I wanted was a tater tot and a chocolate chip cookie. They cost 25 cents? Yeah. And and, and wait, 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 wait. And then the pizzas, no, the tater tots were, they went up to 50 cents by the time I graduated. But the tater tots and then a little one of those square pizzas and you would get a chocolate chip cookie and people get a Coke. I couldn't buy nothing. I used to go through the couches trying to find quarters and stuff. All right. Okay, this is my history, right? I scrounged to get what I wanted. And um, and I'd never wanted to share, but people would always offer me some. So I had to feel obligated to share. Anyway, that's a food moment. But I'm just saying that to say that that school, um, and most people ask me, oh, where'd you go to high school, Nisha? I'm like, you wouldn't heard of it. And I'm glad to say my good friend, Lynn Taylor, she she was the one. And I to Lynn, Lynn is my friend to this day. She is the friend to the end, and she didn't mistreat me. I mean, we both went to evangelical Christian school together, too. So shout out to Lynn Taylor, who really just, um, she know, I, but everybody loved Lynn. They just didn't love me. And um, that's that's a hard place. So I, why, I why they love Lynn? Lynn was just everybody's everybody. Lynn, Lynn. You know why I asked you that? Why? Because you said Shauna was light skinned and they all loved her. Oh, but, but Lynn is Lynn brown. Too. Lynn is brown too, exactly. like me. Okay, I didn't think of that. I don't know Lynn's personality. I don't know. I was a nerd. I just I'm annoyed by it all. I don't want to talk about it anymore. The point is, I experienced my first prejudice at OFCA, and it put a bitter bitter taste in my mouth. I know. Um, <laughs> in a lot of ways, and I I know that we even go to you know our pastors are white. They're not black, and we've been at CLC for twenty plus years, but. Um, I think it's a difference. I, I never experienced that at my church. I, I think it's a difference from your eyes opening up and they're just open as opposed to um, you be getting building up in hatred. I guess that's what it would be. Yeah, my eyes were enlightened. Because yes. that's, that's something we were never taught. Right. Even, even through our own experiences, we were never taught. To be prejudiced. Right. Right. And to hate somebody just because. Other color. Because we knew plenty of people who were not black Mm -hmm. that were family or family and got along just fine. That's very true. Um, So, you know, so those those are my experiences as well. I want to make a joke a little bit, though. My pastor. So when we first came to CLC, do you remember this? Pastor was like, we need a little more coffee in this cream. So he wanted, what that meant was that he wanted some more, us to to mingle. He wanted some multicultural church. He wanted more all colors, right? right he wanted we small there, color. We were probably 20%. It was probably 20%. And now he's like, well, before he, you know, retired, kind of, sort of, <laughs> he said, well, it's okay to get a little cream in this coffee because now we don't took over. We don't die. We multiply. <laughs> and I hate that, 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 that happened, that it but felt like a lot of the good felt, people. It felt like White if, flight. That's exactly, what it felt like. Exactly. I just exactly said it. Exactly words I was going to say. I was going to try to say it a little nicer. But, I but that's what it, it felt like. It, it was exactly what white flight was. And you know what it was? I never said this, but um, when one of the pastors that was still there, they're gone now, and his big family, shout out to Pastor Ben Stewart, I kind of felt bad when, all, when they were, I felt like, the white people were becoming the minorities because I liked the mixture. I think that that's what I was hoping for. It would stay. Right. I know Pastor probably was too. Shout out to Pastor Jerry McCoy. <laughs> but anyway, I'm just throwing it out there because I thought that the mixture, you know, it, it brought balance. Now, there's a lot of things we could say about that, but I know that in regards to just um, how it is now, 
I do see that it's, it's starting to mix up a little bit again. So, um, yeah. Yeah, but I'm just, that's my story from the school. And I'm well, just. Here's what I have to say. Um, and it's amazing. I don't know what word it is. I don't know. It's not amazing. It's something. Amazing is not the right word, but it is something. That, I won't know till you say that it. That people think that all the prejudice and hate and everything has just completely disappeared and is gone. And and most of the time we were just, you know, race baiting and making things up and, you know, and all of the things that they're watching on TV um, with the water hoses and the dogs, that was just some long time ago thing. I was like, they don't realize that those people in those films, in those news clips, they're still alive. They're still on this earth. Yeah. Their kids are still on this earth. Yeah. They remember those things happening to them. <clears throat> this wasn't something, you know, this, we're not talking about slavery, you know, 200 right. some years ago. Right. We're right. talking about something very recent. Um, and I remember we went to uh, Washington. Yeah. And we were just, we visited the American Museum, African American Museum. African American Museum. No, no, it wasn't even open yet. We were in the American Museum. I thought we went to the African American. No, we never went. It wasn't done yet. Okay, we okay. This is, um, yeah, this it was during Obama, President Obama. Mm-hmm. When he got elected. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So we went, and they had a demonstration, because it's just, and two or three of the people that were there mm-hmm. were actually some people who were in the sit-in at the drugstore where they poured ice cream and pop on their heads. Mm-hmm. And, and you see those films and you see those people, you know, you, you sometimes I think you forget that those were only 19, 18, 19, 20-year-olds. Yeah. These were, I mean, these were babies, brave enough to sit there. And some of those people were still alive, and they were there that day. Mm-hmm. We met them and saw them with our own eyes. Yeah, they were in wheelchairs, wheeling right. them around, but they were giving them re- a honor. They were right. they were honoring them, right? Yeah, they were. Uh, well, they would do. They did a whole demonstration. Did a whole um, yeah something that day, and we just happened to come. They had a, a display day. of the um the the, uh, the uh, what is it called? The diner. Right. They had a diner display. They had the actual diner there. Yeah, it and, was the actual. Oh wow! Or, I didn't know or that. a very good replica. Of, of the it, diner. But it was exactly like it. And they had the voices talking. Yes. It was good. Um, it was an experience. But my whole point is, those people are still here. This yeah. is some ancient history that happened a long time ago. Yeah. Um, and it's amazing how even in our schools, um, some of this stuff is not taught. Some of the stuff we're finding out on social media. Like, I found out about, well, they did make a movie about the Tulsa massacre. Okay. Um, and for those of you who don't know the Tulsa massacre, one... Google it and follow up. Um, but it is a time when uh, some whites, they raided this town that was kind of like a, uh, a black Wall Street, and they destroyed the town, burned it down to mm-hmm. the ground. And those people never came back. And that's not the only story. Yeah. You have, a, you have Rosewood in Florida. They did the same thing, massacred, and those, burned those people down. So can but I cut you off for a yeah, minute and ask you something? When you say they... Do you feel bad sometimes because you have white friends and, and you're including the they in everybody? Well, it wasn't my friends that did it. It wasn't the people that I know. I it know. It was just white people from that era, and it was just an okay thing to do. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't that long ago. Yeah, that's true. Um, and we talk about um, generational wealth. I'm like, how can you have generational wealth when it was absolutely robbed and stolen from you? Most people don't mm-hmm. know this. 
and here's some, a tip for you. And Central Park in New York used to be a black community. It used to be called the Senecas, where um, African-Americans settled there. Um, it was even has history with the um, Underground Railroad as well. It was wow. one of the stops. Um, and they wanted to put a nice park there, so they gentrified it and then moved all of the black folks out and turned it into a nice park. And that was that. And that was a nice way to do it, sort of. But then you got a town in um, in Georgia. It's called Lake. I, I, I should have looked it up. It was Lake. Um, I can't remember the name. But there's a lake. Um, I put I put it in one of the. I I, I remember check. later. Okay. Okay. I might I might even look it up. Um, okay. But there's a lake, and it was from a town that went through the same thing. It was a massacre, and they burnt the town down and chased all the black people out. And then years later, they flooded it and made a lake out of it. And they didn't even move the graves and the houses and the churches and everything that was there. They left everything there and just made it into a lake. And now a lot of rich folks live around the lake and they enjoy it. And at the bottom of this lake are black people's homes and properties that they just chased out and it didn't matter, you know. So for me, I just have to be honest and say that um, history is a powerful thing. Um, it's your history, it's black history, it's everybody's history. Um, I was not taught black history at Oak Forest Baptist Temple Christian Academy. That didn't even, I don't even think there was acknowledgement. However, I take that back. They did invite my grandfather to speak one chapel service. I was so afraid <laughs> what he was going to say. I was trying to school him on what to say about speaking in tongues because they didn't believe in that. <laughs> I was trying to grade Eddie. I called him night before. And let me just tell you, they are fundamental Baptists. Anyway, That's but funny. I believe they called him because, and, and and they had him come speak because he was um, a black man, and mm-hmm. it was Martin Luther King's um, birthday. And they may have just started making, um, you know, the, the laws. The laws were starting to change. So I believe that's why they invited him. But he did an amazing job, just to say the least. Not like he didn't know how to preach. But I want to say that... Um, Sometimes we remain blinded because we don't want to know. And I hope, I know that the people that have experienced some of these things, you know, um, share history with their grandchildren or their great-grandchildren. But I will say that I think it's important for us to say that, you know, we have to share some of the stories with our children, our grandchildren. Because in the way of the world, you just kind of like, you can be, you can experience the pain, like Kristen's pain. Kristen, when she went off to college, mm-hmm. she went to Illinois State University. And, and what year was this? Because I, I want people to this is this wasn't like no, in the 60s, 70s. No. She graduated in 2007, so she started college. Her first couple weeks, I don't even know if it was a couple weeks, she was there. She was walking down the campus um, sidewalk, and um, a car of white boys yelled out the N-word and started throwing rocks at her. And that was and what, probably uh, her first negative experience. Probably her first negative experience, and and so I think that that. I, ex- I don't know if she's ever gotten over that. I don't know. I don't either. Just pray for her. All right. <laughs> you have to forgive, but at the same time, I was traumatized. I mean, I probably was more shocked that that happened, and I was angry. That didn't help me at all. And so you really have to ask God to keep your heart pure, because otherwise, it will make you want to cut off people and um, I remember this story this is so terrible 
I was working at my girlfriend's salon. And um, <laughs> I was working at my girlfriend's salon, and I was mm-hmm. doing a, a touch-up relaxer for one of my senior clients. And um, the young lady, white young lady, walked out. She was the um, esthetician. And she was like, oh, Nisha, you getting that kitchen back there? And my client turned around and said, what did you say? Did you say kitchen? And <laughs> I, I think I even know who that client is. Just okay, you well, let me just say, I had to pull that young lady to the side, and I had to take her in there because you would have thought she said the N-word. And I was like, let me tell you something. As long as you are white, which you will be for the rest of your life, don't you ever tell a black woman about call her hair a kitchen. That's really saying it's just nappy. You getting them naps back there, girl? Now, I don't. I promise you, I don't think she uh, knew, but she, she heard us probably she heard talking. She heard us talking. So people think it's comfortable. Because y'all laughed about it. Well, we didn't laugh that day. Well, we, you laughed when you got said. Yeah. So she thought or she just, she thought it was okay, mm-hmm. and that's that's the other thing, you know. So yeah, I just want to say that you know, if you have to be taught, you have to be taught what's appropriate because a lot of times in these homes they don't know what's taught, and what they're taught is to be prejudiced, or they're taught well, to to right. um, well, they're taught to um, learn to love everybody. And, and, and I'm gonna say this: sometimes, and and I honestly, I think there's an honest group of people out there, when they say, oh, they don't understand what all the prejudice and the race baiting is about, I, I almost want to say that they are innocent in their thinking, or naive, that would probably be a better word, because that was never their experience. Yeah. And I'm, I'm going to tell two quick stories. <laughs> um, I just thought about my grandkids saying, am I, mommy, am I black? <laughs> or one of our nieces and nephews, and they was like, I'm not black, I'm yellow, or, you know, because they tan, like skin. I think they said they were Tan. tan. <laughs> Anyway, go ahead. Okay, thank you. <laughs> so I remember one day I, we were at work. I was at work, and I was in the office and was talking with a couple more uh, managers in the office. Um, they were all black, um, probably ranging from 30 to 50 in mm-hmm. range. And each of us had a story. I forgot. Something had happened with the police and some incident. Somebody's rights were violated. I don't remember which story it was. Um, but anyway, so we were just telling our own stories and our own experiences that we've had with the police. Um, and I, I almost want to say that the majority of African-American men can all testify to some story or experience that they've had with the police. Um, so anyway, so we were all just kind of sharing our own little stories amongst us. And this young white guy walked in. He was another manager. No, I don't even think he was a manager yet. Uh, but he just walked in the office. And he was just kind of standing there listening to us talk and tell our stories. Um, and he was he, he kind of looked at me and said, you mean that these things actually really happen? And we all kind of looked at him and was like, well, yeah. <laughs> what do you think? We just made it up? Right. Is that, is that what your experience? That we're just right. making these stories up? And he was flabbergasted that these things actually happen to people that he knows. Mm-hmm. He thinks that this is just something that you mm-hmm. hear on TV, mm-hmm. some isolated incident. Um, and then remember, we had our good friends over the house that day. Oh, yeah, I remember that. And my brother-in-law was just telling his story of his experience with the police. Um, and it was he wasn't saying it in a negative. He was just telling his story. Right. 
And they looked and was like, They were dumbfounded. They were like, That actually what? happened. That actually happened, right? They, they were like, Man, I am really sorry that that happened to you. Well, and then the other piece of that is that they always had, that was home of Flossmore area where they were in the Flossmore area and they always had, you know, black and white in their home. So it doesn't mean that everybody, you know, is dealing with the same things, but at the same time, um, some people are uh, ignorant to really that these things still happen. And they're, they're not, here's what I say: either you don't know because you're ignorant of it, or you do know and you just turn the blind eye. One or the other. Yeah. Because you don't want to know the pain. You don't want to accept it when you hear these stories. You don't, don't want to believe them. I don't know if accepting them. it is the word, Wes. I think it's just sometimes people accept it, but they don't necessarily want to. Dwell on it, you know what I mean? Because they have to be in the community. Because no, sometimes that's probably a good word. They don't. They just want to push on past it, like like right like to sweep it, over it, just right? like slavery. Like it never happened. Why are we still talking about slavery? Why are we still well, trying even to? You get, don't like to watch um, get our, our slavery movies and stuff. I I don't. It's not that I don't like watching them. Um, it I think it evokes some emotions in me that I don't necessarily want to carry. Yeah. Um, but I do look at the history. It's kind of hard to look at the history sometimes. Like, it was hard for me to watch Rosewood. I think there's a movie yeah, about that, Tulsa that as well. Um, and it evokes some emotions because these are true stories. This yeah. isn't just something somebody made right. up. You know, these are right. true stories. So it's, it's kind of hard sometimes, I guess, to kind of look at it. So you don't want to turn into somebody you don't want to be. You don't want to be prejudiced. Well, I'm, I'm you don't want to be prejudiced. I'll never be that. But okay, that's a that good doesn't thing to mean say. that my emotions aren't on ten. Yeah. You know. But even with my emotions on ten, doesn't mean that I can go next door to my neighbor and we get along, talk just fine, no problems at all. I mean, because we have a relationship like that. Or right, anybody. Right, right, right. You know, it doesn't ever, ever mean that. Right. But it doesn't mean that I don't have emotions about it. And it doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. That's it, the whole point, right? It doesn't exist. So even even I'll just um, segue into um, Heart Life Ministries having a, a recovery program, and literally, and that's today. You talking about today stuff? Today, twenty twenty four, and um, I am over the executive director over the Will all of Will County, and the Grundy County, and so I've walked into these places, and people thought I was soliciting. They looked at me like, what do you want? Um, I sat down at a few meetings, and I um, kind of looked at kind of strange. Um, Even when you told them what the program was, they were kind of like, well, that doesn't exist over here. You need to right. go into your own community. Yes, absolutely. That that comment was made. I'm shocked. So it is difficult, but I have to push past, and I am kind of glad I grew up in kind of a community where I'm not intimidated by it at all. I don't I don't feel any kind of way. Um, I, however, that story I said about the church, I was stood outside the church in the parking lot before we joined CLC when we started going in, and I said, I have to see one speck. And I even told this at church one time. I have to see one speck. And I was like, what is one speck? One black person had to get out the car, and there was one black family get out the car. I said, okay, now I can go in. Because I just, I don't want to, you don't want to go where you don't know True. because of my own experiences, so, right? Let, let me... Let me just let me disclose this about us black folks, us okay. African Americans, um, for the most part. Not not everybody. Okay. Nothing is, is is a definite or a complete all. But um, I would say that most folks, black folks, when we go someplace where we know we are not the majority, or 
we look around and when we see somebody that looks like us, we feel a little bit more comfortable. That's exactly the truth. Yeah. That is exactly the truth. Otherwise, that movie Get Out. You know what I mean? I'm traumatized by that movie. But anyway. Okay. <laughs> okay. Can we move on? Okay. <laughs> yeah, so, so that's I mean, that's our experience. I mean, this is real stuff. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> and and people have much worse stories than us. They do. And know? I'm laughing, but I, I have a like a... I'm just laughing at all the experiences. If I told you all the experiences, right. we wouldn't have enough time. But I'm just laughing because of the different things that that just show up. So I know that we need to um, be intentional about sharing history. History. Black history. Black our history. history. And the forgiveness piece to us. True. Right? On whose part? On our part of how we were treated. Because some people can get stuck. They do get stuck, and they are stuck there. And, um, and there's some extremists which I don't agree with either. On the opposite end of that spectrum, yeah, um, prejudice has no place. Whatever side of that fence you're sitting on, it has yeah. no place. Yeah, hatred has no place. It has no place. But I do want to say something. I want to say that I want to celebrate everyone that's black that is, you know, making moves. That is. Um, being successful, that is, you know, living for the kingdom of God, that is pushing past all of the racism and all the prejudice barriers and still moving forward and showing up in communities and starting to be, and not starting to be, but they are CEOs, they are bosses, they are owners of companies, you know, Fortune 5. And I, and I, I mm-hmm. know that song, I always say, people say, you just love a good, you know, Cinderella story. Well, I like the stories that say started from the bottom, now I'm here. I like that. I like that so much because I like to see the, no, I'm not where I was. I mean, not where I used to be. I may not be where I want to be, but I'm sure enough way better than where I was. And my mindset, and I, that's the other thing I want to say, a mindset shift. Because, and we didn't talk about this, but I do want to say it. I get angry when I go into black communities and you go way out like I did this weekend to Naperville and shop and there's a different treatment than I go to my local neighborhood or city, whatever, restaurant or whatever. This, this, I'm going to give an example Okay. besides restaurants. So the Ross in the hood is a different experience from the Ross out in an influential, right, uh, right, influential uh, suburb, right, it's a different experience, um, and we, it's, it's not just in our minds, because there's demographics that are done. There are different right. types of clothing and items that are right. sent to different stores depending on your neighborhood. Right. So if you live in a <laughs> right a uh, not influential neighborhood, they're gonna send you all the cheesy stuff that they think that you. I'm like. Nobody wants this crap. Yeah, it really think. makes me angry. Um, but I think the thing, you know my thing, and we'll talk about this another day, but the customer service. Customer service. You know, we we as black people get angry about a lot of the things that have gone on. But I always say, what are you doing to make a change in your own life? And, I, and other people say, let me ask yeah. you this, Wes. A lot of people say, you know, um, it's been embedded in them. They really have no way out. Um, you know, 
is set up that way for failure. And I, I agree because we've been to a few things that have shown us demographically, just like you said, right, how that right. happens. So is there a way out for everyone? Or do you feel like some people are just going to fail because they're set up for fail and they don't see no way out? You know, and I've had this argument with people um, because most folks, and especially white folks, they want to tell you that your choice and decisions that you make, mm -hmm. it, you don't have to stay there, which is true, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, which mm -hmm, is true. Mm -hmm. And like you were talking about, started from the bottom, and now mm -hmm, we're here. Mm -hmm. Why do we all have to start from the bottom? Oh, <laughs> I just like Cindy. Well, why can't stories. I be in a position when my kids want to buy a house? I put a nice down payment for them. Right, and there are a lot of people so, that do so that. Black have, people do that. Absolutely, because they 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 at the top. They started from the bottom, but not here. But how many of us? have to start from the bottom. How many races are we going to have to run when wow. we don't even have gym shoes on? And now mm -hmm. we have to catch up with the rest of the people. You wow. know? And it does make a difference. Yeah, you can finish the race. Yeah, you can make a difference. But the odds are stacked against you. Mm. You know, and, and that's what makes it so much harder. Um, and we're really running out of time on this Okay, episode. so I just want to say one more thing. Go ahead. I do want to say, though, the grace of God is sufficient. And I do want to say that um, when the scripture says, I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor a seed beg for bread. That doesn't mean you you are not, you're like the sluggard and don't do anything and just expect God to come through for you. I do believe that there's a grace for people that if you trust him, that he will lead you to um, prosper, be in health, even as your soul prospers. So that's just what I want to say. It's like at the end of the day, the hope is Christ. The hope is kingdom living. The hope is living a different life and trusting and having faith. I mean, and, right. and that's just the way I've had to believe because I've watched. But, and, and it's that hope that gives you hope. Yes. Because when you're in the community and it looks hopeless, <clears throat> you you feel hopeless. Yeah, yeah. And you think that this is normal life. This is normal for me to live like this. And when I grow up, I'm probably maybe could get a job and I'm going to live like this again. And my kids will be raised like, th there's no hope for you to even think that there's something better, mm. you know. And it's sad to see some of the young men. And that's why when when they talk about defunding the police, it's not so much defunding and taking money out of them, but it's taking some money and putting it into the schools for different programs and things to give these high school kids some hope and some jobs. And, and they're out there. They're out there. There's programs out there. There's things out and, there. And I don't think we talk about it enough. Right. I don't think the trades are in the high schools enough because at some point we, they took all the trades out of the high school and, and we told all our kids and all our children, you need to go to college, otherwise you're going to be a failure or you're not going to succeed, yeah. which is not the truth. That's not the only way to succeed is to go to college and get a degree that's, in, in business. And Well, that's... I, I know. I'm, I'm going to have to, you know, you say we was out of time. So. We are out of time. Okay, so that... Oh, well, yeah, we, we, are, do we are happy to be black <laughs> and we love... All races, just we FYI. We, we love... We're very multicultural, we right? We love our... For those on Come video, on. Boom, you can boom, see boom. we bought these shirts when we went over to Kenya. Um, right. So we're, we, you know, we're proud of where we came from. Yeah. Okay. You know. so, well, the question of the day. So before we leave, we always want to do this question. So we're going to randomly Choose. pick a question out of this box. Okay, here we go. And then you get a card and I'll get a card. No, this is not a card. Okay, the green. Okay. Here we go. Okay. 
Girl, I don't want to talk about that either. I know we're supposed to pick the first one, but this is not even a question. It's like. <laughs> That's a good one, though. All right. All right. <clears throat> go. Here we go. What is common between us intellectually, socially, and physically? Say that again. Well, you answer it. What is common between us intellectually, socially, and physically? I feel like at the end of the day, we want to be unified. We want you to be unified intellectually. We want to be unified socially and have the same run in the same circles and physically. But, but what is it? What are those things? What do you think is common between us intellectually? Love? I don't know. It's not intellectual. Here, you want me to? You want me to ask? Okay, wait, wait. Go ahead. Uh, we we have the same mindset. That's the way I feel. We have the same mindset, and we also have the same mindset to grow. And grow in every area. Okay, yes. that's the first thing. Right. I, I concur with that. Okay, go ahead. Intellectually, we are entrepreneurs. We know how to make money, and that's what we want to do together. No. So we're, I think we're on the same level there. Socially, uh, <laughs> socially, well, yeah, socially, I think that um, <laughs> we get along. We're, we have the same mindset socially. What we're, does that mean? I don't know. I want to, well, I was going to say socially, we want to soar with eagles. Yeah, that's kind of what I want to we say. Wanna, we want to connect with people that are doing something and have purpose. And um, we want to glean from them and learn. And then we also hope that somebody can, we can add some value to someone's life too, socially, and just have fun. Okay. And, and that is done without the crab in the barrel mentality. Right. Meaning, if we're going to pull somebody up, if we can, we will absolutely. All day long, we're going to support you. Because there have been people in our lives yes. who don't hold back. And minimize. When I had Nisha's Network, oh, you got little Nisha's Network. They say that, don't they? Mm-hmm. How's your little network going? Come on with it. All right. It's going great. Physically. Um, I'm a you nag to you physically. It's not. I think physical is... We like the same activity. We like we're adventurous. Oh yeah, we're adventurous. Yeah. We know we get on the ATVs, the dune buggies, the jet skis, um, hang gliding—not hang gliding, but parasailing. Parasailing, even though you don't All like that. the heights. You gonna you gonna jump out of plane with me? Yes, I will. Okay. Absolutely, positively. So yes. bucket list. Okay. All right. What's it's your question? It, it In which area can we do better this year? So maybe this will be the year. Can we jump out the plane? Maybe, okay, let's maybe, do it. Maybe. All right. What would you choose to accomplish if you were promised 100% success at anything you started to work on today? Hmm. That's your question first. Oh, you want me to answer first? You know what? I like real estate, so I would want to be a, a builder and build communities. In communities, so where there's no community, and you, you know, even in the city where you just see block after block with just raised lots, I want to build a whole section of homes or buildings that people can afford. Hmm. Even in 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 some of the suburbs where you just see land or maybe uh, a new development half started and then they have to stop, especially doing um some of the things. I would want to be a builder and it's like, you know what? I want to break this mold. I want to build some nice houses, affordable houses with nice things in it. Just because it's an average house doesn't mean when you come in, 
you know, you got Formica countertops. I want the granite countertops with the fancy faucets. Yeah. The nice master bathroom. Yeah. Um, in a decent size, regular size house that the average person can afford, where it's not five hundred. Well, in Chicago, um, five hundred thousand would be yeah. start the start of expensive homes. I, right, I would right, say, right, right. where you don't have to spend that, where a one income house can afford this house. Well, you know, also you always said that uh, we have people like names on our list that if we could buy them a house. When we can buy them a house, we will. And they may have the house of their dreams, but there are some people that we just, you know, want to be a blessing to, and that's one thing. But I wanted to say, if I was to choose to accomplish something and it would be 100% success, I would want to open a family retreat center. And I would want to open it somewhere far and and so that people can have an opportunity to, and I would want to have area for kids, area for couples, area for People just a spa. I would like the whole kit and caboodle so people can escape. Because I think that's my most favorite thing in the world is to just to walk away from your regular schedule program, regroup, and then you have to go back to life and react back to life, back to reality. Okay. Uh, But anyway, I would want people to escape and have a good time. So that's it. Well, this is it for, you know, you done? I I think we've talked long enough. I think we have. Too long. All right. And if you're still here, thank you for listening this long. Thank you for listening and thank you for watching. Bye.